0: Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is, the return to glory. never thought we'd see anything that could rival the hug with his father in 1997. But we just did. That will be the greatest scene in golf forever, Jim Nance. That that hug with his children, if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, and if you're a parent, you're not human. The whole euphoria of everything. The patrons, his emotion the chanting we will never see anything as exhilarating as that fantastic congratulations Tiger unbelievable I mean, what else can you possibly say? Um, that was, simply put, the most magical day of sports that I have ever experienced. Not just as a golf fan, but just as a lover of the human story combined with sport and competition. It was... Honestly, it was masterpiece theater and, uh, my buddy Greg and, uh, all my buddies down in Southern California who I saw were watching together looked awesome. I mean, he, he put it most perfectly when he was like, this is our generation's moon landing. I mean, you know, uh, it like it's, it just could not be better said. I mean, I, you know, I actually fought off the urge to record a podcast yesterday, um, simply for the fact that I just wanted to soak it all in. I I wanted to just enjoy it. I did not want to think about, you know, what I would tell other people. I just wanted to see how I would feel and see if my, you know, my opinions on everything changed as the day went on. And, you know, oddly enough, we're, you know, not quite 24 hours removed from uh, Tiger uh, winning the 2019 Masters. And it, it somehow still has failed to really, really sink in just how monumental and incredible this achievement is by, you know, not just mine, you know, but many of our childhood hero and very possibly, you know, most of our favorite athlete of all time. I mean, the one thing that is so incredible about Tiger... Um, that he's managed to do that really no other athlete in my lifetime has ever achieved is that he is all of our guy. And I mean that in the way, like, you know, there are stars where in certain sports, in certain markets, um, there is just a player that transcends generations and that everybody in that community pulls for. And when they do well, it ignites the excitement of an entire region. And, and I'm talking like, you know, what Roger Staubach did for the state of Texas, what Bear Bryant did for Alabama what what Steph Curry is kind of like for the entire San Francisco Bay Area right now Um, you know Michael Jordan certainly in Chicago but Michael Jordan had a little bit of this um, and is probably the most comparable athlete in my lifetime to what Tiger Woods is in that you didn't necessarily have to be from Chicago to be a huge Michael Jordan fan I wasn't from Chicago and I was obviously a huge Michael Jordan fan and you know Tiger he's everybody who loves golf you know, Tiger's kind of our guy, and especially if you're my age. So, <laughs> just throw a little cherry on top of this. Um, Tiger won the 2019 Masters on my 31st birthday yesterday, which means that, first of all, I got to see Tiger win a major as, you know, possibly one of the greatest birthday gifts I've ever I've ever had. Um, but it also, you know, it signifies that I was 7 years old, all right, when Tiger won his first Masters, or, i'm sorry seven i was nine years old i was born in 1988. i was nine years old when tiger won in 1997. and for everybody who's around my age you know within give or take a couple years especially the guys that were you know a few years older than me you know those of us that were between the ages of you know six or seven and like 16 when tiger won that first masters and we're still kids we're still highly impressionable and we just see this young gun come out of nowhere and just blister the entire golf world by 12 strokes. And just put on a complete master class. Um, it, it, it was life changing. It, it was all of a sudden we were hooked. And this guy not only changed the way we looked at golf forever. And probably is the cause for most of us being as in love with this sport as we are. Um, but just have having someone like that to look up to. And that you know motivate us to get out and play every day was, you know, it, it's unlike anything I've ever gotten from another athlete in my lifetime. And to think about what he was like back then and then to really process everything that's happened over the course of the last 10 years, you know, pretty much from 2000, Thanksgiving, 2009 and on. I mean, I still t- can tell you, I was in my bedroom of my apartment on the corner of Rio Chico as a senior at Chico State University, when I saw the news break about Fire Hydrant Gate and Ellen, you know, smashing irons through the the windows of the Cadillac Escalade and all that, all that other stuff, and to think about that, and all the years that followed, and then to think about Tiger coming down the home stretch and sinking a one-foot putt to win the 2019 Masters, it again, I. I won't try to put it into words because I won't do as good a job as some other people will. And, th- and that's the other thing is that, you know, this podcast, I, I I thought about bringing some other people on and, you know, there are so many stories that have already been written in the last 24 hours and so many great podcasts from you know other feeds that have done an excellent job of recapping everything and that, you know, it, it almost would have seemed a little over the top to try to just go through how he won the Masters again. And this this podcast is pretty much like, just from me speaking to all of my you know, my brothers and sisters out there listening to this who love Tiger as much as I do. And I know that most of you, probably listening to this podcast, do in fact love Tiger as much as I do. Because I consider myself to be a huge Tiger fanboy. You know, favorite athlete of all time. And what's so cool about that is that that is not unique to me at all. Is that there's so many of us that love Tiger Woods. And just want nothing more in sports than to see him succeed. And that for all of us, together to watch him win this golf tournament the way that he won it was so spiritually satisfying and just enriching. I mean, every emotion that you can think of watching sports, we experienced on Sunday. And then, you know, as everybody else has pointed out... and. I would like to be the asshole that says like, "Oh yeah, whatever, like it's fine." But like, man, watching him go up and give his son that hug, doing the same for his mom and then his daughter, um, it actually brought me to tears. And I, and I don't say that you know metaphorically. Like I was choked up, I had a tears in my eyes, and then <laughs> the sad part is, I've rewatched it probably five times now. And I still get choked up every time. I mean, honestly, watching Tiger sink that final putt and then go embrace his family in the way that he did to his dad after his first Masters win in 1997, it's basically like me watching Rudy Rüdiger take the field for the first time over and over and over again. Like, you know, if you could go back and re-watch Rudy for the first time and then that emotion you get when he finally runs out on the field, And, you know, his whole family is there just in disbelief and just they're so proud that they can't believe he went through all that work and that it's finally paying off and that they're seeing him succeed. That is the exact emotion I feel like all of us got watching Tiger win this golf tournament. And you can hear it in my voice. I'm even getting a little choked up right now just like going back and thinking about it again. I mean, shoot, I started recording this podcast while I was letting the intro go so I could hear it coming in. And I, again, got choked up, man. Like, it is so incredibly special. Like, I just, ugh, it really is amazing. I, I'm I'm so happy for Tiger. Um, and selfishly, but not selfishly, I'm so happy for all of us. All of us that loved him, that, and, and admittedly, I'm sure most of us who love Tiger had doubts, and justifiably so. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where I was saying, like, I didn't think he was going to win again. I, I always would provide the caveat, I sure hope he does, but I feel like I shouldn't expect him to win. And that cautious optimism, I think, protected me from being too heartbroken. Should, you know, this have never happened, but man, the fact that it has, um, it's not just great for Tiger Woods, but it's great for all of us, all of us who love the sport of golf, all of us that love watching Tiger Woods be the greatest player of our generation. Um, I hope that there's another golfer that comes along in our lifetime that challenges Tiger as, you know, the greatest player that I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Um, but I'll tell you right now, I'm sure not expecting it. I mean, this guy is so incredible. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I know. And then I, and I hear Dave Loggins in the background, and it just, everything about this thing was special. I mean, every single thing. And it, it's crazy because. You know, I personally, I was not rooting against Frankie Molinari. It's really strange to say that as much as I wanted Tiger to win this and I was happy to see him win it. It was amazing to me that down the stretch of this golf tournament. That I actually, while pulling for Tiger, was also really equally pulling for some other guys in the field. And, you know, I'm going to go through a little bit here in the final round. I don't want to do it too much because I know that uh, that is information that you can get from scribes and golf journals that are you know, had much better access to everything than I did and uh, certainly probably are a little, you know, a little more thorough in their, their research. I, I can only go off what my experience was watching everything, but man, I, I mean I I love Francesco Molinari. He is so great and I, I feel bad that it took him collapsing to really get Tiger to where it needed to be. Um it you know, if I could have picked the perfect script, it would have been more so of Tiger just Going on a birdie rampage on the back nine to just yank it out of, you know, Frankie Molinari's hands rather than him hitting a couple balls in the water on the back nine to cough it up. But um, love Francesco Molinari. really like Tony Fino. I I even found myself kind of pulling for Brooks Koepka, which is crazy. But, like, the, the talent at the top of this leaderboard, not just on Sunday, but all week. I mean, we were—I was saying it after Thursday and Friday and Saturday's run. Like, I just cannot believe this leaderboard. It's like all the best golfers in the world decided to play fantastic golf at the best tournament of the year. I mean, we could not have asked for a better uh, leaderboard throughout the golf tournament, not just on Sunday. I know that, you know, it ended up being six of the top 10 guys in the world placed inside the top 10 and like eight of the top 15 or something like that is the number I keep hearing, which is phenomenal. And that's, you know, the end result. But I, I really don't want us to forget how stacked the leaderboard was throughout this golf tournament. And. Even though Sunday is what most of us are going to remember, um, as somebody who was lucky enough to watch eight hours of Masters coverage Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I, I hope we don't forget how extraordinary the first three rounds of this golf tournament wa- uh, were. Um, just incredible golf shots being hit left and right. Um, drama from start to finish every single day. Um, I mean, this probably is very, very much in contention for the greatest golf tournament that I've ever seen. you know. And that's not even considering like Tiger winning. I'm just talking about from start to finish. Just the level of play and excitement and great golf shots being hit. It seemed like it was second to none. It was an absolute... Um, it was perfection. It was absolute perfection from a golf viewer standpoint. Um, now... As it relates a little bit more to Tiger, you know, I mean, this is his third straight top 10 in a major finish. And, you know, Jeff Shackelford was writing before this tournament even started that there are signs that this could be it. And uh, he wrote a, he penned a piece for Golf Week that came out in the last uh, the last day since Tiger's win saying that there were signs all over the place that this could be it. And, you know, obviously in hindsight, you know, it's, it's, it's great to write that. But, I mean, he does make a good point that, you know, everything that he did leading up to the 2019 Masters was in preparation to be at peak form for this golf tournament. Um, You know, honestly, him losing in the quarterfinals of the Dell match play and not having to do 36 holes on back-to-back days on the weekend, low-key might have been great. That might have actually been the best thing that could have possibly happened to Tiger. He got some good uh, competitive experience, but didn't overexert himself. He pulled out of the Bay Hill. People were speculating that he was injured. No, no, I think for Tiger, and he said it in his post-round press conference, it's all about being at your peak four weeks a year. And I think Tiger did everything he possibly could to make sure that when this tournament started, he was in the best possible form he could be in. And it absolutely showed. And in, in all honesty, Thursday through Sat or Thursday through Sunday of this golf tournament, I feel like I watched Tiger Woods hit the golf ball as well as he's ever hit it in his career. Which is wild to say. And you know, it, his putting this week especially from inside 10 feet, was not just dicey, but it was poor. Like, I mean, the stat they were throwing around on Saturday was like, you know, from 5 feet and in, he was 84th out of 87 golfers in the field in terms of make percentage from, like, around 5 feet. Like, Tiger won despite missing a lot of putts that should be quasi-automatic. I mean, that, that is just a testament to how well he was hitting the golf ball. And really... Especially on Thursday, but it, you know it, it continued for the you know the following three days of the golf tournament. But I felt like I watched Tiger hit the ball off the tee as well as he's ever, ever hit it. I mean, throughout our life, especially when Tiger was at his peak, Tiger was missing a lot of fairways, but he was always so great at hitting that incredible recovery shot where, despite a bad drive, he somehow magically would put it to 12 feet anyway and then can the putt. And we saw a couple of those this week. I mean, shoot, those birdies he had on 14 on Thursday and Friday. I mean. That's these like with all this chaos and craziness of Tiger winning this tournament. I mean, are we we're almost going to forget that a security guard almost shredded Tiger's Achilles into four pieces as he was attempting to cut off but you know, a bunch of people are going to going to step on his heels trying to follow that incredible second shot on 14 on Friday. Um, there's just so many things that happened in this tournament that were incredible and I'm already looking forward to the documentaries and the 30 for 30s and everything written, you know, that are going to be made about this tournament because it's going to be incredible. And it's, it's one of those sports moments where if you're a Tiger fan, if you're a golf fan, if you're a sports fan, you will remember where you were um, the day that Tiger Woods won his fifth green jacket and his first major championship in 11 years. Um, I was at my house in Chico, California. As I mentioned, it was my 31st birthday on Sunday. I had uh, one of my best buddies surprise me. He flew in all the way from Minnesota. Another one of my great buddies came up from San Francisco. Uh, my buddies here in Chico came over. We just had a great group watch party. I was up at 5.45 a.m., had the coffee going. So when Tiger teed off at 6.20 a.m. local time, I was sitting there uh, with my coffee. and It's just uh, an absolutely magical day. Um, like I said, you know a bunch of my buddies, you know, Mark, Andy, Greg, all you guys. I saw you down uh, those videos of you guys watching down in Southern California. It looked absolutely incredible. It pretty much, the scene was exactly the same up here at my house in Chico where it's just a collection of grown men losing their collective minds over a 43-year-old man playing well in a golf tournament. <laughs> and when you put it like that, it seems crazy, but nothing about the emotions that I felt yesterday or today seemed crazy at all. I mean, it's it's... I just have not been this overwhelmed and excited and elated, you know, I, I feel like I'm floating in a, in a way very similar to when the San Francisco Giants won their first World Series in 2010 and I was on, I felt like I was on top of the world for a month afterwards where even if anything even remotely weird would happen to me, I would just think about the Giants winning the World Series and I would instantly just like feel amazing and feel so happy. And it's funny because I I made that comparison in my head and then I talked to one of my best friends from college, uh, still a dear friend to this day, who is a huge Red Sox fan. And we're talking about Tiger's win yesterday. He's like, honestly, man, the only time in my life I've ever felt like this was when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in 2004 and then went on to win the World Series. I, I feel like that is the only sports moment that compares to the emotions that I feel right now. And... I completely believe it. I, I I don't doubt it at all because, you know, I mean this is something that we all wanted for so long, and we just tried to will it into existence despite all of the overwhelming evidence that it wasn't going to happen, and then to see it actually take place in front of our very eyes, and for it to happen with the love and the emotion that it did, was so richly satisfying, um, that I think it makes all of us golf fans. It gives us something to look back, you know, fondly look back on and help us get through any, honestly, any rough days that I have going these next couple of weeks or couple of months. I'm going to think of Tiger winning the Masters at Augusta National Golf Club and everything is going to be okay. Like, I mean, it it literally is that special to me. Um, You know, I'm not even going to pretend to be a neutral observer or a journalist in the sense like i am so happy for tiger woods i'm so happy for all the fans um this is absolutely incredible an absolute banner day for golf um there's just really not not much more you can say on that i mean it it just really was close to perfection um whoo man uh with all that being said um I mean, yesterday's golf was incredible. I, I do want to go over just a couple things that, uh, you know, as we are watching the round yesterday, I wanted to see how similar a lot of you guys felt. Um, like I mentioned, Tiger was not great putting from inside 10 feet pretty much all week, and that trend seemed like it was continuing on the front nine. Um, you know, when Tiger... <laughs> when he made back-to-back bogeys on the front nine, which was culminated by his fourth straight bogey, On number five. I mean, when else have you ever seen somebody win a major championship and bogey the same hole all four days? Absolutely crazy. And it honestly seemed like this was going to be the day that he finally was able to make par because he took out three-wood off the tee, avoided those bunkers that had just been eating his lunch for the first three days, made a pretty good second shot up there, although a little short, couldn't get up and down, makes five again. You're like, oh my God, this is... How is this happening? And at this point, he's down three strokes. So, you know, through through five he's down three to francesco molinari and i'll be honest with you at that point i i was not confident tiger was going to win this thing because i had so much faith in francesco molinari i mean the guy was just stones dude absolute stones nothing was phasing him he was actually doing what i think tiger was trying to do and that he was just playing steady golf making pars now granted the one thing that we probably should have noticed that was a little off and a little different for Francesco Molinari on that front nine, even though he was making a lot of pars like he was in a couple days and was kind of avoiding making bogeys, um, he was having to make a lot of tricky and testy 7 to 10 footers to save par. There was not a lot of just tap in easy pars for Francesco Molinari. And maybe that should have been a sign that maybe things might come come around a little bit, but... Anyway, Tiger's bogey on five to make it four straight days. It's like, oh, geez, three strats back. He's got to do something. But then, you know, then number seven comes around and Tiger hits, you know, his best approach shot of the day to that point. And that's where the ball striking really hit home for how well he's been hitting the ball. I mean, Tiger nukes his drive right down the middle and then hits his approach shot to about a foot and a half for a tap in birdie. At the same time, Francesco Molinari is making his first bogey. Um, in i think since thursday um and so tiger makes birdie francesco monari makes bogey it's a two shot swing so tiger goes from being down three to down one and that is the point where most of us are like okay let's go and, and it, it it was kind of short-lived <laughs> um now great they both followed up him and francesco monari both birdie the par 5 eighth. Which is incredible, you know. Frankie makes uh makes birdie. Tiger matches to stay one down, um. So that's wonderful. Tiger's lag put on nine. I mean, I'm not breaking any news to you guys when I say that is probably the greatest putt I remember in Masters history, or really in Masters history that didn't go in the hole. I mean that that has to be the most exceptional lag putt that didn't find the bottom of the cup that I've ever seen. Uh, for him, the two putt from back there, absolutely incredible and possibly a sign of things to come although his very next shot threatened to kind of wash that one away i mean tiger got a bad break on number 10 so he hits his ball right it finds it you know finds the trees the guys i were watching with were completely convinced that it hit a patron and that it kind of like stopped and even like rolled back a couple feet to stay behind the tree where they were totally convinced that uh had a patron not been in the way, it would have rolled past it and he would have had a clear look at the green. And either way, you know, it's uh, it's just incredible that, you know, Tiger knew how much golf was left. He said, he said as much in his press conference. And, you know, rather than trying to hit some wild, crazy uh, fade around the tree and get it up close to the green and fly the McKenzie bunker, he knew that he could make five, fall to two back, and still have a chance because there were plenty of other places for other guys to make the mistakes for him. And it could not have proved to be more true. He bails out, doesn't try to, you know, bite off more than he can chew, bails out, doesn't convert the par putt, makes 5 on 10. So now he's 2 back with Molinari, going into 11. It's a terrible tee shot on 11. Sprays it right, okay? This is a start of Amen corner. Sprays it right, and you're thinking, wow. Now he's down 2. You know, it's coming up on a part of the golf course where You know, it can be very disastrous, as it ended up being for a lot of people. But it's also part of the golf course. You know, twelve through fifteen is a place where any guy good enough to be in the Masters can go low and make a couple birdies. So, but amazingly enough, for the was it second time in a row, he finds that little alleyway on eleven, where he has a clear kind of shot at the right side of the green and hits a fucking incredible shot to like fifteen feet. And he's on the green at eleven with a birdie putt. And I was thinking to myself. You know what, man? If he makes this and pulls it back to within 1 and 12, he's got a serious shot to win this thing. Like, I feel like he has to have this to get that momentum back from 10. He doesn't make it, right? He, he misses. He makes par. Um, so he's still down 2 to Francesco Molinari. Now, as all this is happening, as Tiger is getting up to the green, we're seeing the group ahead start to implode. Brooks Kepka and Ian Poulter both hit into the water. And because of the way Augusta is situated... I mean, obviously, when you're walking down 11, you can see the entirety of 12. So, as Brooks Kepka and Ian Poulter are hitting balls into the water, I start getting nervous. And not nervous that, like, you know, Tiger's going to implode, but like, oh my gosh, like something is going on. Like, these best players, in the world, these guys that are near the top of the leaderboard are hitting it in the goddamn water. And it's not even like a Jordan Spieth thing where one of them, like multiple guys in the group hit it in the water. And as Tiger's approaching the green at 11, you know for a fact that he's looking over at 12. He is seeing Brooks and Poulter in front of the water, having hit shots, knowing that they just put it into the water. And he has so much experience to draw on. As he's walking up to 11, he's digesting the whole thing. being Thinking to himself, wow, Brooks Kapka came up short. Ian Poulter came up short. We hit, you know, our irons are similar distance. He probably hit nine. He came up short, which means I'm not going to be able to hit a nine there and come, you know, and come up to it. So he's already calculating everything, processing a hole ahead, even with a shot still to play in eleven, um, he's processing everything, and then after he sees Francesco Molinari go in the water, it's like he knows. I mean, he's been here so many times. He is such a great, such a master of strategy out here. And I'd like to think that I would have thought the same thing, although you know, I wouldn't have, because first of all, I'm not good enough to even walk on Augustus grounds. Uh, but that all being said, you know, he does the one thing that so many of us would struggle to do, and that is play the safe shot. At the biggest moment of the day, the biggest moment of the tournament, he electively puts the ball to 50 feet from the cup, knowing that is going to give him the best chance to make up strokes and do it. And he did what he did for so many years in that he played solid golf down the stretch and he let the other people crumble around him, which unfortunately is exactly what happened. Francesco Molinari puts it in the water, can't get up and down, makes five. So all of a sudden that two-shot lead that Molinari had after 11 is gone and That not only allowed Tiger to get back into the golf tournament, but what that double bogey from Molinari did was it all of a sudden put about 10 guys back in play, right? We were so focused on Francesco Molinari and Tiger. As as, As soon as Frankie makes that double, all of a sudden the leaderboard just goes into chaos. I mean, it almost felt like five minutes later, Patrick Cantley's leading this golf tournament, which he was. Like he makes that eagle on 15. All of a sudden Patrick Cantley's at the top of the leaderboard. And just that one double bogey from the leader... Just throws the entire tournament into absolute chaos, right? We have no idea what's going to happen after that. Um, So after 12, Tiger does exactly what he's supposed to do. Doesn't try to get too aggressive with a second shot in an effort to make eagle. He knows birdie is good enough. He matches Frankie. They both make birdie on 13. Um, He comes with a textbook, textbook playing of 14. So he's just, you know, made par birdie on 12-13. He's tied for the lead. On 14, he stripes one right down the middle, doesn't hit it left like he did the first couple of days. And oddly enough, he hits it right down the pipe, hits approach shot to, what, maybe like 14 feet? Like an unbelievable second shot on 14. I mean, at this point, you're like, he literally cannot miss with an iron. Like he is executing every iron shot so perfectly. I wonder what it's going to take for him to not win. And granted, he doesn't make the 14 footer. He comes close, but I mean, it didn't change the fact that You know, if he's hitting irons and woods like that, he's not going to make bogeys. Like, he's only going to make pars and a birdie when he occasionally cans one. Um, So, honestly, I thought that second shot on 14 was huge. Seeing all the pressure being on him with 15 still to play, and him just hitting that perfect, perfect iron shot in, it gave me a lot of confidence there that he might actually be able to do this. And then, you know, on 15 i think that's when we really started to really feel that he actually really might do it um and and again i did not like seeing francesco malinari hit hit the tree and go in the water i mean a couple of years ago when jordan spieth blew the masters i actually remember thinking to myself watching that tournament man i kind of hope he like makes a mistake here not because i don't want him to win but i just want it to be close like I, i don't want it to be a runaway and then the 12th hole happened, and I I honestly felt guilty for ever thinking to myself, like, I wish somebody would screw up. And I thought about that multiple times throughout this tournament where on 12, I did not want Francesco Monardi to screw up. 15, I didn't want him to screw up. I wanted the winner to just be the guy who got out there and just bested everybody. Um, and you know, in a way, it actually kind of was like that because the moment was so big for everybody that Tiger was just the guy that was so in the zone. He wasn't person who was overwhelmed by the moment while everybody else was. Um, so then Tiger obviously, you know, plays a phenomenal second shot into 15 into the fattest, you know, safest part of the green guaranteeing himself a two putt birdie. Um, again, Tiger on 13 and 15, he could have been much more aggressive with those second shots to give himself a chance at making Eagle. But what's miraculous is that he's been here so many times that he knew that he didn't have to make Eagle. If he made birdie, um, That was absolutely going to be good enough. And he played that way, and it turned out that that was exactly the right move. Um, And then, obviously, you know, 16. The second that ball hits the green, I'm thinking to myself, get in the hole. Um, And then when it was about 10 feet out, I knew it was going to be a little too far uh, to the left-hand side of the cup from the tee for it to go in. But the second that ball landed on the green, you knew it was a tap in birdie. And that was the moment where it really started to set in. You know, tracking Brooks Kepka, seeing that he was still two up after 16. And to be fair, I I have shit on Brooks Kepka on this podcast before. And uh, I still don't love his personality. But man, I love his golf swing. And for that guy to be on the 17th tee and experience that Tiger roar that happened when Tiger sticks that shot on 16. And then still go out and give himself two great shots to make birdie on 17 and 18, going par-par and not letting the moment overwhelm him, I really have to tip my cap to Brooks Kepka because that was an absolute all-balls performance. Um, to come up just one shot short, I mean, an absolute incredible week for Brooks Kepka. I, I don't think any of us would have been surprised if he had ended up winning a green jacket. And honestly, if Brooks Kepka had won this tournament, it would have been well-deserved. He played extraordinarily fantastic golf. I mean, shit, man. He finished one shot off, and he hit that ball in the water on 12. Like, I mean, he was really, really good all week long. Um, really, really impressed by everything that Brooks Koepka did this weekend. Um, but what's crazy is that, you know, Tiger makes that birdie on 16. It all of a sudden starts to feel like it's really going to happen. And then I kind of have to remind myself, Tiger was also up 2 in 2005 to Chris DiMarco and then went bogey-bogey. <laughs> you know, like, you like, it. There there were still plenty of places for him to screw it up. And watching him play 17 and just, you know, stripe one down the middle and then knock another iron shot to inside 10 feet, it was like, wow. The second that he did that, I was like, there's just no way. There's just no way he loses this golf tournament. Like, he's so dialed in. Of course, he missed the, you know, missed the birdie put on 17 from inside 10 feet because he'd been doing that all week. But by that point, you know, I think Tiger knows that he just needs to make two pars. Uh, Or even a par and a bogey. Because by the time he gets to 18, he knows that Kepka didn't make birdie. um, So all he needs is a 5 to win. He plays it very conservatively. You know, basically guaranteeing himself no worse than a 5 with a chance at a 4. He could have been more aggressive on that second shot. And, uh, you know, giving him a chance to make 3 or 4. But also bringing a number like, you know, 6 into play. He takes all doubt out of it. Guarantees himself a 5 or better by giving himself an easy little pitch shot and a 2 putt for 5. And the rest is history. Um, unbelievable! I mean, everything we could have wanted in a golf tournament. I mean, and that's the thing. I, I really hope we don't forget how great he was for the first three days of the tournament. I mean, Tiger did not make a single bogey on the back nine on Friday or Saturday, um, which was incredible. You know, Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, and has been all shooting sixty fours on Saturday was insane. That was awesome to watch those guys. You know Tiger over the course of the week, he made nine bogeys. You know, which is kind of a lot, but the guy made 22 birdies, 22 birdies, only nine bogeys, and the big one is he made no doubles. You know, no double bogeys the entire tournament for Tiger Woods, and that at Augusta, there's enough trouble out there where there are double and triple bogeys looming everywhere. And if you can avoid those, that is huge. And he did exactly that to win. His 5th green jacket. 15th major overall. Just 3 shy of tying the golden bear. Jack Nicklaus. <sighs> I don't think I have any more for you guys. I, I'm literally so excited and so happy. Um, I'm just going to stew in this for another month or so. <laughs> Until the PGA Championship happens at Bethpage Black next uh, next month. Where, By the way, Tiger has won a major championship. Um, for one last time congratulations to Tiger and congratulations to all of you listening to this Um, we get to be as happy and as proud of this accomplishment as we want to be because this is really really special for golfers, golf fans Tiger fans sports fans everywhere Um, a magical and beautiful four days doubting in Augusta, Georgia, um, and also magical everywhere else. Anybody with a television or a computer screen that was watching it almost kind of felt like they were there, because I know I sure did. Um, just incredible. Tiger, congratulations. We're so happy. We're so excited to watch you again next month at the, at the PGA Championship. Um, this is an all-timer. This is an absolute all-timer. I don't know what I'm going to do in my home to commemorate uh, his fifth green jacket. I'm going to do something. I don't know what it is yet, but uh, this was just too special and it meant too much. Um, yeah, incredible. I got nothing else to say, everybody. I, Tiger, amazing. Everybody else out there that they're listening, amazing. Congratulations. Um, drink this one in. Drink this one in for a couple of weeks. Anytime something is going on in your life that's not ideal, think about Tiger sinking that putt and winning this golf tournament. And all will be right in the world. So until next time, thank you so much, everybody. Adios.